The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that all I warned you about, I hold to the book, The Bible, as the authoritative Word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you see the faces made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see two videos on the top of the page. Uh, the one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from the previous day, yesterday. So if you missed that and you'd like to catch it, uh, you can do so up until 3 p.m., Eastern today, at which time he'll be live in the area. Right side of the page is where we're at. <clears throat> Excuse me. Click on the play button. Blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. And I click on that and join us in the chat. Love to have you over there. And good to see you guys in the morning over there. Uh, so good morning to you guys. And then while you're there, please subscribe to the channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live. And uh, we're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. And I know there's a lot of people who listen to us from over at Before It's News because they contact me and tell me that they that that's where they catch the Sons of Liberty. So that's cool, too. Uh, and we appreciate them giving us a spot on their platform. Right up under <clears throat> where we're streaming live on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, you can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, that goes out once a day, late afternoon, early evening. All the articles we have at Sons of Liberty for the day include including the Morning Show Archive, so that's available there. Our store is also available, the link, link, link at the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com, or you can get there directly by going to the, don't forget that, thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com, thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. Uh, we are highlighting the book, uh, all the books are pointing to the front. Uh, that's Bradley's latest, so you guys can uh, you can pick that up, $10 in the store. We also still have the Soldier of the Cross, as well as the Soldier of the Cross bundle, so you can get a shirt, a book, and... Uh, dog tag of your choice, black or silver, um, for $34, beginning at $34, depending on your shirt size. Yeah, we'll see how all that goes. All right. <clears throat> well, we're inundated with all kinds of foreign news that America is supposed to be at. Yemen, Iran, Israel. I think we still got some stuff going on in Syria. Uh, more than likely, we're still dealing with stuff in Afghanistan and Iraq, despite the pullout. I, that stuff just continues on. 
And, um, you know, one of the things that, that strikes me is I remember back in, I think it was 2012, Ron Paul running for the White House. Ron Paul, among all the people they allowed to even speak at a debate or any of this, he was the only guy that made any sense. He was the only guy that was consistent just across the board. And I'm not praising him as some kind of a god or something, but I'm saying if you listen to everybody else, whether they were Republican or Republican, they basically were saying the same things. All of them, especially across the Republican platform, they were all saying the same stuff except Ron Paul. And he, was even, he wasn't just calling out Democrats. He would call out the members of his own party for what they were doing. And he was consistent in that. And part of what he was talking about was foreign policy. Uh, foreign policy gets us in a lot of trouble. And, uh, you know, I think we can see throughout Scripture that when kings got entangled with foreign entities, they usually got in trouble. They usually got in trouble. Why? Because eventually they would pull them away from the true and living God that delivered them from Egypt. And I'm talking about biblical Israel here. It would pull them away. We see that most prominently probably in the life of Solomon, uh, where you know God told him, he says, you know, don't get entangled with these foreign women. Why? Because they'll lead, they'll lead your heart away from me and to foreign gods. And is that what happened? Yep. It led him far, far away. I mean, he's got... <clears throat> Hundreds of wives and concubines, and uh, he's building temples to foreign gods and all of these kinds of things. So yeah, he, he did. He ended up going down a path that God said he would go. But we're going to look at some, uh, at least one example um, of of giving yourself over to a to a covenant with a foreign with a foreign people like that. And so. You know, I the Bible doesn't come right out and say, "Hey, you're to do conduct foreign policy this way." But there are principles that I think we do see, and um, I'm not going to hit all of them, obviously, this morning. But I just I see where America is, and I see the things that are being pushed on us now. A lot of things that have gone on in the Middle East, I'm just going to tell you, I think they stem right out of a bad theology. I've talked about this before. It's called dispensationalism. If you don't know, I'm not talking about dispensations. I recognize the Bible puts forth dispensations. I'm not at dispensationalism. It's an entire theology. It's a actually it's an eschatology eschatology that's been pulled over the rest of the Bible and made into a theology. And that theology has gotten into the modern church here in America, and it's gotten into because it's done that because. Some of these guys do actually go to church. Uh, this is planted in their minds, many of our representatives, uh, this bad theology. And so it results not only in bad domestic policy, it, it shows itself forth in bad foreign policy. Okay? All right. So <clears throat> there's a couple of things. Let me, let me, here's what I want to do. Let me just get the shock value out of the way here first. This is a report by Greg Reese on, um, I think this lady was in during uh, Obama, Victoria Newland, And this is the plan, this is the plan she had to destroy a nuclear power plant and blame Russia. Now, I want to ask you something. Is this how you love your neighbor? Is that how you love your neighbor? Let's take a look and see uh, this short report. This Again, this is from Greg Reese. Take a listen. 
This report is based on a recent thread by Kim.com that I believe is important for people to be aware of. Last June, puppet President Volodymyr Zelensky warned the public that Russia was planning to attack the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in Ukraine. There is now talk in Kiev that the real president of Ukraine, Victoria Newland, has become so desperate for NATO troops to enter Ukraine and continue this U.S. proxy war against Russia that she is willing to murder innocent locals with a radioactive cloud and blame it on Russian forces. And if you know about Victoria Newland and the government she works for, then this is absolutely a possibility. Independent journalist Gonzalo Lira, who was arrested and left to die in his jail cell by Newland's forces, did an excellent job describing Victoria Newland and the United States agenda in Ukraine. I highly recommend watching the entire thing. But here is my short edit. Victoria Newland is carrying out a policy which is very, very, very simple. The American goal, foreign policy goal, is to have a weak and preferably divided Russia, a Russia like the good old days in the 90s. Because in the 90s, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the United States was able to enter Russia and exploit it to a degree that is unprecedented. Ukraine, since 1991, the collapse of the Soviet Union, has been a cesspool of Western corruption. Oligarchs were not only allowed to rise, but were in fact encouraged to rise by the Western powers, in particular the United States, because the United States figured that by way of these oligarchs, these countries could be controlled. If Russia was corrupt, if Ukraine was corrupt, it would be easy for Western interests to go into these countries and steal. When Putin arose, the people in the West thought, oh, he's one of our guys. But what they discovered, to their dismay, was that when Putin took power in roughly 1999, he cut a deal with his oligarchs. You stay out of politics and I'll stay out of your grift. But what happened was that slowly over the years, Putin started edging out the oligarchs. And even as he put in his own oligarchs, he started making those oligarchs smaller and weaker, which is what he's been doing for the past 23 years. Had Putin not existed in Russia, Russia would be what Ukraine is today. Americans started realizing this in the late 2000s, early 2010s. They started realizing that Putin was subtly resisting them, resisting their attempts to turn Russia into a whore. These Ukrainian extremists, they hate ethnic Russians. And that fits very neatly with Newland. Because Newland, throughout her career, she has always allied herself with groups that were extremely antagonistic towards Russians. She's always allied herself with people who hate Russians. When the Maidan revolution started, she supported the right sector. She micromanaged the Maidan revolution, and that implicated her. When uh, Poroshenko came to power, the, the next president, she made sure that that government abused the Russians. And of course, she made sure that the Ukrainian army started getting seriously supplied with weapons, and she used that Ukrainian army, and she micromanaged this, to attack the Donbass. You have to understand that in a very real sense, Victoria Nuland has been president of Ukraine since 2014. And so the weapons flowed into Ukraine from starting in 2014 after the coup d'etat. She brought in the, um, the weapons. She's like the nexus of all these different interests that want to exploit Ukraine and use Ukraine to attack Russia with the ultimate goal of breaking up Russia and 
bringing back the good old days of the 90s, the good old days for the Westerners, the very, very bad old days for the Russians. The Russians don't want a repeat of the 90s. That was traumatic for them, as it would for any country. Word on the street is that the current commander-in-chief of Ukrainian forces isn't up for the task of attacking their own nuclear power plant. And so Newland is looking to replace him with Budinov, who will become the next Zelensky if he commits this war crime for the U.S. State Department. If these rumors are being considered by Russia, you can expect a major push to take control of Ukraine before it's too late. Greg Reese reporting. Huh. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, th- this, is, uh, this is all part and parcel of what the United States has been doing for decades now. Going into other countries, destabilizing them, breaking them down so that they're never a threat and so that they can utilize them, so they can use them. They can control them. This has been going on for a long time. I know, I know our audience is a smart audience, and you're, you're not, uh, uh, this is not news to you, okay? I, I recognize that. Um, but they've been doing it for a long, long time. And part of the problem is you get into these entanglements, you cannot determine how those people are going to respond to you or react. Maybe you can determine in a good measure, how the, pe- the main people that you're going to deal with are going to react. But now more and more, <clears throat> I think, <clears throat> and if I can, let me back up just a little bit to yesterday's show. Because I got several people who, you know, they disagreed. That's fine, you disagree uh, with what I presented. It was mainly over Trump. Again, it's this political idolatry, okay, that, that goes on. But I have this same thing. They can see certain things but they can't see others. And so I'm just going to address a couple of these things here and then, because it does go to foreign policy. Um, you know, one of the guys uh, wrote me, was, I didn't take it in any way, but he took mine as though I was insulting him, and I wasn't. Um, he said, dude, the country isn't about to be run by or like a great Christian village. That's irrelevant. That is irrelevant to what we talked about yesterday. What we talked about yesterday was tyranny. What is tyranny? Tyranny is lawlessness. It is ignoring the law. It is being a law unto yourself. It is doing what is right in your own eyes. That's what tyranny is. Okay? And that's what we talked about. And we talked about it from, you know, I went back to the first Bush. We could probably go back further than that. Okay? We go back. We can go into Reagan. We can go into Nixon. We can go into all these guys. Okay? But he said the choices we have in reality is blatant, outright corruption. Biden stealing our money for his crackhead kid, letting people get murdered. Uh, What about all that money? What about all our money? Billions, way more than whatever's going on here that you're talking about with Hunter Biden. Uh, Going to foreign countries, Muslim countries, that Trump sent over there. No, no, let's not talk about that. Get murdered and raped at the border. Yeah, let's not talk that that was all going on for three years under Trump, too, before the final year where he ended catch and release and stuff. He says, or we can choose Trump. Lower taxes, peace, and prosperity. That's it. No, there's no prosperity here in America. It's all debt. That is the exact opposite of prosperity. It's debt. And Trump gave us more debt, just like all the others before him. Well, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't broad breast. It wasn't all those before him, but other predecessors that he had. And so when I responded, I just said, 
there's a lot of other options. You just aren't willing to look to them, look at them due to group thinking, mind control. And I didn't do that as an insult. I did it as I see what happens. And he tried to tell me that, well, we come to rumble. We come to rumble because we're not in group thinking. We're not mind controlled. But yeah, but you align yourself with the same people who are pushing the same stuff. Now he came in obviously to our channel, which we're not doing that, but it's clear. Everything is a defense of the political idol. It's not a holding to the law. It's not holding to what is established, what is written. It's something else. Another guy said, well, Timmy, if you, and people call me Timmy. My dad called me Timmy. I'm not offended by that. But I do recognize when people use that about me, uh, that they're using it as a, uh, a slap in my face. So that's okay. Uh, Timmy, if what you say about Trump is true, then people should say and think about you like Baker, Osteen, Creflo Dollar, etc. Yeah, that's... I think he accused me of buying and selling on Rumble, too. I don't know what that was about. I, I, got, I got no idea as to what's going on there. Um, but, again, this guy would come in... And he would write some things. Now, apparently, he's removed something here. Uh, but he talked about, he gives me the same excuse all these other people do. God uses Trump. God used Trump. God, yeah. He used Obama, too. And he's using Joe Biden. And he's using them all the same way to judge us. He's, he's using them all in the same fashion. And that's what they don't finish. They're like the pro-choice people. We're pro-choice. Pro-choice to do what? Let's finish the sentence. Pro-choice to murder your baby. That's what that means. They, they just don't want to tell you what, they're, what they want to have a choice to do. Well, the same thing's true here. They want to tell you God's using Trump, but they don't want to tell you what he's using him for. And if you go to the Word of God, as we've done, especially... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. We're, we're tearing up floor here. My desk is now in the middle of the dining room. <laughs> uh, half the floor is up and... So we, we've got lots of things for people to trip on. So if you're hearing anything, I guess as long as I don't fall down or my wife or somebody else falls down, I guess we're good. Um, that's what the Brown Cafe part is. It's, it wasn't actually cooking anything. But anyway, my point to him, to these guys was you see the idolatry come out. And in fact, one of the gentlemen, uh, and again, I want him to hear this guy's name's Steve. Uh, you know, I wanted him to hear the way in which I gave it. He goes, you know, why are you insulting me, man? It's the first time listening to you. I comment your responses to insult me. I didn't insult you. I just recognize what's around. I, I, say, I say that's what we have here. And he says, when people go to actually vote, that will be the two options to choose from. That's really, that's reality, son. Well, first, I'm not his son. But the second part is you're demonstrating exactly what I'm talking about. When people actually go to vote, what do they do? They do the Sneetches thing, don't they? They want to be like all the other people they hang around with. And so they're going to vote the way all the other people are, um, except for a few. Okay? And they're going to go do whatever they've been presented with. That's it. They won't look any, they won't look any further than what they the dog bowls that they've been presented with by the two-party system and the Mockingbird media. That's what they do. And again... There's over a thousand people who are running for the White House. Yeah, I know most of them are Republican, Democrat, but they are there. You don't hear from them. You don't hear what they have to say. If 
maybe there's a couple of guys who are some wet behind the ears guys who actually have not been corrupted just yet. Maybe there are some guys like that. I don't know. But you'll never hear from them. And these people won't go and look either. Nor do they actually know these people. That's the thing. And that's why you won't find this boy. You say, well, who are you voting for, Tim? Not voting for anybody at a federal level. I don't know any of those cats except the ones who are there. I know they violate the law, which limits my liberty and the liberty of my family. I know that. If you think I'm going to give my consent to any more of those cats, you are out of your mind. You're out of your mind. So what I'm trying to communicate to this guy is <clears throat> this issue of the lesser of two evils, right? And if you, if you choose the lesser of two evil, you are still choosing evil, even though it's lesser to you in your eyes. You're doing what's right in your own eyes. And so I communicated this to this guy. And here's what he said. Here's how he tries to justify it. When the lesser of two evils, which equals lesser or less suffering for my fellow human beings, yes, pick that. He says, in my opinion, you're trying to pull uh, vote support from Trump, more suffering from my fellow human beings. Remember, we had peace, no new wars. Yeah, but the war was against us, Steve. I played the video yesterday, <clears throat> the attack on the Second Amendment. Red flag laws started long, be or they were mentioned long before Trump got in office, but Trump was the one who really pushed it to the forefront. Red flag laws, that was his doing. His DOJ was taking our money and illegally giving it to the states to write red flag legislation. See, while he wasn't starting, and I, look, I'm glad he wasn't doing it. He was still engaged in other wars, even in Syria. Remember that? And, oh, we, we need to get out of Syria. And then he would send his troops in there, and they were guarding the oil steel, weren't they? Uh-huh. But, yeah, thank God he didn't start any new foreign wars. He, he was the guy who released the uh, bioweapon on America. That was a war against you, Steve. And he told you to take it. It was good for you. You need to get your vaccine. See, the war is, wasn't in the, in the foreign. It was here. And he was setting it all up. And Biden has run just crazy with the red flag laws in the states, letting those go. And we didn't even get into the, the, the video that Bradley did about all the things he said, but what he did was a completely different story. But all of this goes back to that foreign policy that's going on. And under, underlying all of that is nothing more than a desire for control and power. That's, that's, that's where all of our foreign policy ends up being. And I got to tell you, you know, there's an old Chinese proverb. I think Michael Peruca said this back in 2004 when he ran for the White House. Uh, he said there's an old, old proverb that said, I don't think it was Chinese proverb, sorry. I think it was actually a biblical proverb. I think it's actually a biblical proverb. If you pick a dog up by its ears, you need to let him go. Probably the best thing to do would have been to not pick the dog up by its ears. But America hasn't learned, and she continues to do this. And I'm telling you what, you see this influx of illegals, you can guarantee that that's, that's God's judgment for what we've done to other nations. You know, there's something called the golden rule. I think it's spoken to individuals, but we can apply the principle even to governments. 
And that is that we're to treat others the way we want to be treated. Do we want people coming and infiltrating us and doing what Victoria Newland was going to do? They're going to blow up you know, some nuclear plant in their country and blame it on us. Do we want them to do that? No. Well, why are we doing it? Because we allow people like that to exist who represent us, whether in a bureaucracy or as our representative. So I thought I would take us back a little bit <clears throat> into um, <clears throat> our history for some words from the guys who came before us. Okay? And... Um, I want to take you to George Washington first. I'm just going to pull a little bit out of his farewell address. Again, I've got the link there, so you can see the context if you want to do that. This is pretty... Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty large section that I've pulled out, so you'll kind of gra grasp what he's talking about here. But I want to give you uh, some information here. Um... Because I want you to hear how these guys talked 250 years ago, okay, about foreign policy. And they were ones who were, you know, they were in, they were considered subjects of the crown, right? But it was almost like dealing with, a, they were dealing with a foreign entity. They, they, we read from the Declaration of Independence, they petitioned the king, right? Remember? So, so they're, they're petitioning him about why he's treating them so bad, violating the law and everything else. So here's, here's what uh, George Washington said. This is uh, from his... Uh, actually, this is from um, another document that he wrote about a month before he took office as president, just so you get a flavor of the kind of guy he was. I, <clears throat> look, um, I have my own thoughts about George Washington, uh, but, you know, what he, what he writes here tells you he was not desirous for power. I mean, I, this is, some of the stuff he writes here reminds me of me when I believe God called me to preach. I, I did the same kind of, kind of sentiment here. Here's what he said. For in confidence, I tell you, with the world, uh, it would obtain, or excuse me, I, there's, some, there's some things in here from the guy who took the original document. He's telling you what's been crossed out, what's been put in, and all this other. I guess they were adjusting his speech. For in confidence, I tell you that my movements to the chair of government will be accompanied by feelings not unlike those of a culprit who is going to the place of his execution. In other words, he was fearful about stepping into public service. <clears throat> and he gives his reasons. So unwilling am I... In the evening of a life nearly consumed in public cares to quit a peaceful abode for nearly con excuse me for an ocean of difficulties without that competency of political skill, abilities, or inclination which is necessary to maintain manage the helm. I am sensible that I am embarking the voice of the people and a good name of my own on this voyage, but what returns will be made for them. Heaven alone can foretell. Integrity and firmness is all I can promise. These shall never forsake me, although I may be deserted by all men. For of the consolations which will be derived from these under any circumstances, the world cannot deprive me. So, it, 
understand this was a guy. I mean, he had been involved in many wars before. Uh, he was a surveyor. Um, he was a, I mean, he was a pretty smart cat. Okay. Uh, in war, he was, he was great. He led his, his men to victory many times. And then the people wanted him to be president. They wanted to be the father of the country. They wanted to crown him king is what they wanted to do. And he wouldn't have that. But he reluctantly took the office of president. And you can hear, he's like, I'm not really equipped for this. I, this is not my thing here. And I'm, I'm older now. You know, what, what am I doing here? And then after he served, I want you to listen to some of the things that he wrote here. This is from his farewell address. I'm just going to read about four paragraphs here. And then I want to go over to John, Adam, John Quincy Adams, our sixth president, uh, the son of John Adams, our second president. And, uh, and I want you to hear what he said with regarding uh, foreign policy. This is George Washington. Again, from his farewell address, the alternate domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetrated the most horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. But this leads at length to a more formal and permanent despotism. The disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual. And sooner or later, the chief of some prevailing faction, more able or more fortunate than his competitors, turns this disposition to the purposes of his own elevation on the ruins of public liberty. That's exactly right. That's exactly what tyrants do. Without looking forward to an extremity of this kind, which nevertheless ought not to be entirely out of sight, the common and continual mischiefs of the spirit of party are sufficient to make it the interest and duty of a wise person to discourage and restrain it. Did you get that? The spirit of party. That's what you've got going on. This is what I'm dealing with here. People love the Republican Party and its adherents more than they love the law. It's like Christians who... Well, they say that they love God, but we all can see what they really love. It serves always to distract the public councils and enfeeble the pure, or excuse me, the public administration. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms, kindles the animosity of one part against another, foments occasion, occasionally riot and insurrection. It opens the door to foreign influence and corruption which find a facilitated access to the government itself through the channels of party passions. Oh, are we seeing that? And yeah, it ain't just the Democrats, guys. Oh, no, 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 no. No. No, it's the Republican guys, too. A lot of foreign policy directed by foreign lobbyists to them. It opens the door to foreign influence and corruption, which find a... Uh, find a facilitated access to the government itself through the channels of party passions. Thus, the policy and the will of one country are subjected to the policy and will of another. This is the same thing we were talking about yesterday with Ilhan Omar in Somalia. Oh, we're going to be inside the U.S. system in order to protect the interests of Somalia. Israel's in it, too. 
But we had something out by um, Alan, McLe- Alan McLeod from Mint Press News talking about all of the po- U.S. politicians who are getting greased by Israel. They're taking money from Israel. Why? To put forth legislation that benefits Israel. Is that what American government is for? Is that what we're supposed to be about? Dealing with all the other countries and giving them our money and everything else? Is that what we're supposed to be doing? I don't remember reading that in Article 1. I just, I don't remember reading that. Washington continues, there is an opinion that the parties, or excuse me, that parties in free countries are useful checks upon the administration of the government and serve to keep alive the spirit of liberty. This within certain limits is probably true, and I would agree with that. The, par- the forming parties are just gatherings of people of like mind. That's what it's supposed to be. And we have that right under the First Amendment. But to bring that party spirit without adhering to the law into government is unlawful. And definitely to enshrine a party, as we've seen, even through the tax system, you guys who, who are still filling out those tax forms and everything, and it asks you, do you want to donate $3 to this political party or that? Nobody else has mentioned, just those two who are in power. That's what they're doing. So Washington says this within certain limits is probably true. And in governments of a monarchical caste, patriotism may look with indulgence, if not with favor upon the spirit of party. But in those of the popular character in governments purely elective, it is a spirit not to be encouraged. From their natural tendency, it is certain that there will always be enough of that spirit for every salutary purpose and there being consistent, or constant danger of excess, the effort ought to be, by force of public opinion, to mitigate and assuage it. A fire not to be quenched, it demands a uniform vigilance to prevent its bursting into a flame, lest instead of warning, it should consume. Hmm. So he gives, he gives some warnings about this, and he warns about foreign entanglements, getting caught up in the politics of another country. Boy, have we done that in the Middle East. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And again, I will point back, it is, it is, is because of bad theology. I know that sounds weird to some people listening to me. But every government is a theocracy. Every government. On the, on the face of the earth. Because that government seeks to present God. They are, they're supposed to be his ministers. And the question of whether they're his ministers is whether or not how they execute his law, whether they execute his law or not. Do they keep his commands, his statutes, and his judgments? Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. Do they do that or do they not? And if they don't, then they have made themselves their own gods. They've made their own laws, their own judgments, And they're left to themselves in that. We weren't like that. For hundreds of years before what we call the framers of the Constitution, we had already established Christian governments in this land. Christian governments, ones that actually sought to uphold the law of God. And His judgments. That's what we used to do. We don't do that anymore. Oh, no. And our foreign policy 
is just as corrupt as our domestic policy. It really is. It really is. Excuse me a second. I got to get some water on my lips. All right. This one, this is another um, forefather, John Quincy Adams. By the way, did you guys know this guy, when he was like 10 years old, went with his dad. uh, He accompanied his dad to France. And then at 14, um, he served as a secretary and translator to St. Petersburg emissary Francis Dana who I think was serving um, in, uh, in France as well. 14 years old. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how people would laugh at somebody who would take a 14-year-old? This is, I'm, I'm just telling you, this kind of shows you some of the maturity levels that we're dealing with and how far removed we are from men of the past. Nevertheless, uh, he spoke to the House of Representatives in 1821, John Quincy Adams did, and I want you to hear his words. Let them resonate with you as to what we're dealing with right now. And again, listen to this man, he's literally speaking from the grave. Here's what he told the House of Representatives, 1821, John Quincy Adams. And now, friends and countrymen, if the wise and learned philosophers of the elder world, the first observers of nutation and aberration, the discoverers of maddening ether and invisible planets, <laughs> that's kind of interesting, isn't it? The inventors of congrive rockets and shrapnel shells should find their hearts disposed to inquire What has America done for the benefit of mankind? Let our answer be this. It's a good answer. America, with the same voice, which spoke herself into existence as a nation, proclaimed to mankind the inextinguishable rights of human nature and the only lawful foundations of government. What are those lawful foundations? They're the Bible. America, in the assembly of nations, since her admission among them, has invariably, through often fruitlessly, or though often fruitlessly, held forth to them the hand of honest friendship, of equal freedom, of generous reciprocity. She has uniformly spoken among them, though often to heedless and often to disdainful ears, the language of equal liberty, of equal justice, and of equal rights. She has, in the lapse of nearly half a century, without a single exception, respected the independence of other nations while asserting and maintaining her own. She's not doing that now. She has abstained from interference in the concerns of others, even when conflict has been for principles to which she clings. Ooh, really? Yep, really happened. As to the last vital drop that visits the heart, she has seen that probably for centuries to come, all the contests of the Alcadima, ah, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with that word, A-C-E-L-D-A-M-A, if you're not on the video platforms, the European world will be contests of inveterate power and emerging right. Wherever the standard of freedom and independence has been or shall be unfurled, there will be her heart, her benedictions, and her prayers be. But she goes not abroad in search of monsters to destroy. That's what she's doing now. In fact, America's creating monsters to destroy. She is the well-wisher to the freedom and independence of all. She is the champion and vindicator only of her own. 
She will commend the general clause by the countenance of her voice and the benignant sympathy of her example. She well knows that by once enlisting under others' banner, other banners than her own, which we have done through the United Nations, were they even the banners of foreign independence, she would involve herself beyond the power of extrication in all the wars of interest and intrigue. Boy, isn't this is spot on, guys. This is spot on. She'll engage herself in the wars of interest and intrigue. Isn't that what we always hear? Oh, this is part of our interest because it's tied to somebody else's interest. Of individual avarice, envy, and ambition, which assume the colors and usurp the standard of freedom, the fundamental maxims of her policy would insensibly change from liberty to force. Gosh, that does sound like what we're doing, doesn't it? She might become the dictatress of the world. She would no longer, she would no longer be the ruler of her own spirit. America's glory is not dominion, but liberty. Amen. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it should be in each country. Her march is the march of the mind. She has a spear and a shield, but the motto upon her shield is freedom, independence, peace. This has been her decoration. This has been, as far as her necessary intercourse with the rest of mankind, would permit her practice. The people running the show and committing crimes against us, as well as the people of the world, are acting foolishly, and we are acting foolishly by letting them get away with it. That's me. That's my comment. I'd say John Quincy Adams was right on it. He, he was foretelling what would happen if we got to the place we're at. This is what we're going to be about. This is what we're going to do. Well, let me ask you something. Now, Again, I mentioned Ron Paul. Ron Paul mentioned, let's have trade with other countries, but let's not get involved in their politics. Now, I got to tell you, some of this is very difficult uh, because you do see things um, that you would disagree with in other countries. I would say you, you definitely speak out on those things in your own country. Okay. But to sit here and go and be disruptive, the way, look, Ukraine, that's been going on for some time. Yes, we've been over, we aren't protecting biological weapons, we are manufacturing them over there in Ukraine. We've been doing it for years, we've been throwing millions of dollars at it. That's part of our foreign policy. Does that sound like that of John Quincy Adams? That sounds like the very things he's warning against. It really is. Let me take you to um, just a short little thing. Again, I, sometimes reading it, if somebody says it better than me, I just soon give them the credit for it, okay? So what I want to do is I want to transition here. I'm going to read. Let's just, let's go to Scripture first. This is just one example. I could give you many of them. Uh, all of the Old, Old Testament kings, virtually all of them, not, all, not every one of them, but they had some kind of foreign entanglement that they put themselves in. But again, I don't know that the Bible is telling us something specific. Here's how foreign policy should work. I don't know that that's going on. But there are definitely principles of, of things that go on. So when they come out of Egypt, what's the one thing that, that Moses warns the people of Israel not to do? 
Because remember, they're going into a land God promised them, but it's inhabited by a bunch of other people. Okay? So we go to Exodus chapter 23, and here's what we'll read. As they're going in, he says, excuse me, verse 27 is where we start. I will send my fear before thee, and I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn thy backs unto thee. Well, Tim, uh, you're talking about foreign policy, and then God sends them in there to destroy all these people. Yep, because they were sinning. They were, they were violating God's law. Okay? And you, go, and you read throughout the law, that's what goes on. That they were used as a hand of judgment. Just like Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians were used as a hand of judgment against Israel. Okay? I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate, and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. So it's going to be over a period of time he's going to be giving them the land, but he is going to give it to them. He's going to take it from the other people. And I will set thy bonds... Uh, thy bounds from the Red Sea, even into the Sea of the Philistines, from the desert into the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. And why did he say he was driving them out? He says, because they're committing all the abominations that I told you not to do in the law. And then verse 32, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. See, they had their gods too, and the God of the society determines the law. That's why all governments are theocratic in nature. All of them. The God of the society, if it's man, he's going to determine it on his whim. If it is Allah, he's going to determine it based upon the Quran. If it is Christianity, real Christianity, it's going to be based upon the law of God. And then he says, they shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make the sin against me, for if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. And it, it definitely was for Israel. It was. And so we see, um, excuse me, later on, as we've read before in, in the book of Joshua, we see these guys coming along who are part of that land. They know they're going to be killed. They're going to be destroyed. And so they make themselves look like they're from you know, way afar. They got moldy bread. Their clothes are tattered, all this stuff. And they get Joshua and the people to, to make a covenant with them. And it becomes an albatross around their neck. They end up making the people slaves. The people live, but they end up making them slaves because they deceived them. But there are other covenants with foreigners where it's not that way. Good example is also in the book of Joshua, Rahab. Now, this is for an individual. It's not for a government. It's not for a, 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 an entire people. And there was a covenant given to her. And that was that the, the Israelites would spare her and her family's life, those who were in her house, if she tied that little scarlet thread in the window. Scarlet. Again, the scriptures speak of me, Jesus said. Picture of his blood, his covering, his redemption of Rahab, who eventually becomes the great, 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 great grandmother, grandmother of Jesus, right? 
But we go over here to Joshua chapter 6, and what do we read? And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that is therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Here's a lady who's a prostitute, and she's the only one who's allowed to live. And why? Because she loved the spies and hid them. She saw what was coming. She saw what was going on. She saw the power of their God. She told them, it's melted the hearts of the men here in the city. Spare us. And they did. They had a covenant with her. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves a curse when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. All right. We, we read through this earlier. And then we come down to verse 22. It says, But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. See, that was the binding oath. That was the covenant that they had with her. And the young men that were spies went in, and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren, and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred, and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire, all this stuff, and Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive, my father's household, and all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. She had faith. She had faith. These were God's men. Mm -hmm. By faith she did this. The book of Hebrews tells us. Let me end with this. I think i got enough enough time to squeeze this in. This is from R.C. Sproul Jr. Um, I'm just going to let him kind of end the show for us here. Here's what he writes concerning the Bible speaking to foreign policy. There are many times where God sent his prophets to rebuke the kings of Judah and Israel for their foolish foreign entanglements. His college time was for the nation to look to him for protection. This, however, is not something we can just lift wholesale into our circumstance. The United States is not God's chosen nation. He has not promised to go before us against our enemies. It would be an abuse of God's word to argue that on the basis of these prophetic messages that no nation can never enter into an alliance with another. That said... Foreign policy is one of those places where we swiftly run into our own limitations. We don't know as much as we like to think we know about the future. Often alliances lead to more harm than good. Amen. Sometimes that's true. It was for this reason that our founding father, George Washington, his farewell address, after two terms as president, warned against foreign entanglements. He understood that the function of a given nation's government was not to police the world, but to protect its own citizens from aggressors, foreign and domestic. Amen. That's exactly, if you're going to have them, that's what you're going to have. That's what they should be. What typically follows on the heels of, or what typically drives the pursuit of foreign entanglements, is more often than not political egos that genuine, than genuine need. When we create an alliance of sufficient power, we soon throw our weight around. When we become the most powerful nation on the planet, alliances can swiftly become little more than a thin veneer over the reality of an empire. Exactly what's going on. Such as our circumstance wherein our partners are our vassal states. The key difference between our day and Old Testament times is then the weaker nations paid the stronger for protection. In our day, the stronger pays for the protection of the weak. <laughs> it's absolutely true. 
We're living through a living illustration of the dangers of alliances. We are, in fact, on the brink of war, not because an enemy is about to invade a literal ally, but because a friend is fearful about its neighbor joining our alliance. Ukraine is not even yet a part of NATO. Yet somehow, the reasoning is that it should be treated as such that when Russia invades American lives and treasure should be poured out in its defense. Why? Status. Standing. Russia and the U.S. are rattling symbolic swords over Ukraine, and the end result could soon be the all-too-real horror of war. The Bible doesn't teach that it is always wrong to fight in a war. The church has, over the centuries, sought to discern those circumstances in which fighting in a war is just. Just war theory, at its most basic level, argues that wars of defense are legitimate, wars of offense are not. The genuine destruction, wives losing husbands, parents losing children, while politicians plot out strategies to increase their power, is evil. What you just heard in the report from Greg Reese earlier is wicked, it is evil. The genuine destruction, excuse me, let me jump back down. Defending our wives and children from such politicians that have sent their armies over our border is an ugly necessity. We've got to prepare for that, fellas. We're, we're, that's just coming. It's going to come. Telling the difference is something we have forgotten to our shame how to do. The result is flag-draped coffins and shame. Christians over the last century or so have tottered between two errors— some embracing pacifism that denies a man's obligation to his family and country and warmongering for American glory. That's exactly, those are the extremes right there. Calling it patriotism to send our sons and neighbors' sons off to die for no reason. And they're trying to do it again, guys. Would that be, he finishes with this, would that be, would that we be those most eager to protect our nation and the most vocal on the evils of empire. Now, I, I got to tell you, they're pushing that again. There's the talk of the draft. I'm telling you, fathers out there, you better make it known loud and clear that you will not send your boys and definitely not your girls to their foreign wars. And that their draft is enslavement, is a violation of the Constitution. And if they want war, we'll have it with the domestic tyrants right here on this soil rather than fighting people who aren't even a threat to us. See, your foreign policy and your theology do matter. Oh, they matter. They matter big time. And when you support others that will go and will beat up on smaller countries just because they can and lie about them and attack them, it's a tall well, you're asking for the judgment of God. You really are. May God grieve us repentance. May he give it to us. I, I, I just don't know what to say. Bradley, be with you at 3. Lord willing, we'll be back here with you in the morning, 6 a.m. Adios. Thank you.